Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. So let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 4. And we're going to go over several things. Now, if you've been in this church long enough, you've, you've heard us preach many times from this familiar scripture. And uh, you know that you're anointed. You know you have authority. You know that you're to do the works of Jesus. Amen. Right? Amen. I mean, I, I, it's been taught and taught here. But we're coming out of the stage, and I believe this with all my heart, of just being taught into doers of the word. Amen. Amen. Not just hearers and going, that's a good sermon, but really learning to apply it to our lives that we begin to walk like Jesus walked. Amen? Like the disciples walked. Like the men and women of old walked on the face of the earth when they turned their world upside down. When they made a difference. And that's what God is calling the church to do in this hour is to make a difference. And we all know that we need to make a difference. The insanity in the world today has got to stop. And it has got to change. And it's going to take God, but God's going to use his people. And his people have to rise to the occasion. They have to rise up out of, uh, out of their seats out of, out of that condition that has held them in bondage for so long. We want to see the world free, but the church has to get free to understand that they are anointed at a level that the world is not familiar with, that they are anointed, that they have been anointed by the Holy Ghost of God for this day and this hour to walk in places and to demonstrate the power of God, speak the word of the living God, and not back off and not give up. That is our job. Now, you may be you know, a carpenter, or you may uh, work in an office, but your job is to walk like Jesus. That's our job. That's our assignment on earth. Every one of us have an assignment on earth. Every one of us have a grace to do what God has called us to do. Every one of us. And it's us getting in that mindset, changing our stinking thinking. Come on. All of us have had stinking thinking and changing that thinking and leaving it to others to do. Thank you over there. So in Luke 4, verse 17, And there was delivered unto him, Jesus, the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, to preach the good news, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm anointed. It's what Isaiah said in chapter 61 that 
There was coming somebody that was anointed. Well, he left that anointing for you and I. So when you read that scripture, you should put your name in there. Hello? You should put your name in there. Because that same authority and that same anointing that Jesus carried on this earth, he left with his disciples. He came on the day of Pentecost through the Holy Ghost. 120 people got anointed with the same assignment. And somehow, through the centuries, that assignment has weakened. But God is raising that up again for people to understand this is the time that the church is going to come alive and the church is going to be anointed at a level that the world is not familiar with, anointed to carry out what Jesus just read, that we are anointed to preach the gospel. That doesn't mean you have to be a five-fold ministry. That means you need to open your mouth and proclaim what God says. If it's to one person, if it's to five person, if it's to 50 people, it doesn't matter. You're anointed. And this has got to get off of just the five-fold ministry and into the body of Christ that no matter what position we're in, we are anointed of God. We have the ability of God. He's put that on us, and we've got to get out of that thinking that, no, I can't do that. And I'm just going to say, identify that when that thought comes to your mind and just say, that's a lie. That's an absolute lie. And the devil would like to keep you in that place that you believe the lie. Now, when Jesus picked his disciples and he went, he just walked by Peter James, John, and just said to him, follow me. He didn't look and go to them and get their degrees. He didn't say, can I have a resume, please? I want to interview you. We're going to go through interviews. And if you don't pass the first one, you're out. You know, Peter wouldn't have passed the first interview. (laughs) He would have flunked on that one. So he didn't do resumes. He didn't look at them. He just said, follow me. And they passed the first test because they were obedient and followed. What was Jesus looking for? Obedience. That's what he was looking for. Ladies and gentlemen, he's not looking for your pedigrees. He's not looking for all the college degrees. He's looking for you to follow him. That's all he's asking. He's not asking for you to have these great degrees. He just wants to see if you will be obedient. Obedience puts you in that place to receive what Jesus paid the price for. And I'm telling you, the enemy knows our thoughts, our faults, everything that's wrong about us, and he makes sure we remember it. And Jesus is just saying, none of that is required. That should just free every one of us up. That we are not required. I mean, you have to understand that the disciples were fishermen, tax tax people, 
They had regular jobs. They weren't anybody special. And that's what I love about the Word of God. It tells their mess-ups, and it makes them human, and it puts them in a place, and it's supposed to put them in a place that we understand we're just people, and we have flaws. All of us. There's no one, and I've said this many times in this house, just trying to get our minds to be renewed and change our thinking that it is not a requirement for your mind to be perfect. Thank God I would have flunked. I probably would not have made the list. I'm just telling you. And, and, you know, sometimes people put, put your pastors in this position that we're supposed to be know-it-all. You know, we carry the same anointing. And we have to work through everything just like you do. Why he chose me, I, you know, some of you think, well, why would he choose you? I want to know why he chose me. But he did. And that's where Peter and James and John and Philip and the rest of the apostles were. They were ordinary people, but they carried an anointing. That anointing that was on Jesus came on them. Came in that place that gave them the ability. Okay, gave them the ability. Okay, gave them the ability. What does that do? That takes it off of you. Because when we think about us being anointed and doing what Jesus said, somehow it goes back to us. All of a sudden, that anointing doesn't matter, and we think we're responsible. Now, how how could I, this is what we do, how could God use me? not looking at you. He didn't look at Peter, James, and John. He looked at the obedience. He's just asking for the obedience. That's what he's asking for. You and I to be obedient. He'll do the rest. That's what the anointing comes in for. That's what that anointing that Jesus said, and he said it boldly, And you know, when he said it, he said, I'm anointed. You know, the people got offended. They didn't like it. Well, he's just Joseph's carpenter's son. That's who he is. How can he stand there and say he's anointed? How can he say he is fulfilling? Because he said this day, this scripture is filled before your very eyes. So he said it, and they, they were offended. They immediately were trying to take him back into the natural. They immediately were putting him back into a place. God had said he's anointed. God said he carries something. He carries an anointing. He carries that anointing on his life. See, this is what people do put you back into that natural. How can you do that? How can you pray for the sick? 
You don't have the ability. You have the anointing. You've been authorized by heaven. How much more do we want? How much more what we have to do, it's just like Jesus had to do. Jesus, by faith, when they came against him and tried to run him off the cliff because he said, I'm anointed. Now, come on, let's think now. If Jesus stood in that place and he said, I'm anointed, and people tried to pull him back into the natural realm, tried to kill him, run him off a cliff, and supernaturally, God got him out of that. What got him out of that? The anointing. And he just went to another town. And he just said, I'm anointed. He didn't quit. See, what happens sometimes is if we say something, I'll pray for you. I'm, you know, I believe that God wants to heal you. And they look at you in the natural. Then all of a sudden you start seeing yourself in that place. Instead of what God says. So when I say to you about the disciples, they were just mere men. Just like you. Just like you. And that's why Jesus had to take the time to train them. That's why Jesus spent three and a half years on this earth to change their thinking. What a process he had to work with. I mean, we know the things, some of the things that they did. That, you know, Jesus had to think to himself, are you ever going to get this? I don't know if he ever asked the father, said, you think I need a little more time with these guys? <laughs> Maybe they're not quite ready yet. You know, Jesus had to leave in faith when, when the father said the time. Because the father said, said there was an appointed time. So he set a time. And when he looked at him, he had to look at him by faith. I mean, he poured everything that last day into him, into those disciples, to get them to get it. And this is where the church is today. And this is my assignment that the Lord has really put, especially the last two years on, is the church. He took me out of uh, Jeff City. He took me out of Concerned Women for America. He took me out of what I was doing, you know, in uh, getting biblical values back in. And he said, I want you to build this church. Two ways. Yes, we want increase in the church. But we want the people of this house to understand who they are and what they're equipped for. That we start moving out in what God's called us to do and not drawing back and thinking, I can't do that. We have to get that mentality out of our mind. And I know I'm talking to people. Because if I ask some of you to come up here and pray for people, you would be reluctant. 
And you would think, not I'm anointed, you would think, what if it doesn't happen? Am I telling the truth this morning? So the, the mindset that we carry has to change, and it has to line up with the Word. Because Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, I give you all authority over all the power of, of the enemy. Well, what does that mean? That's what we're trying to figure out. And yet it was very simple. He said, I give you all power. Well, how much more power do we need? He said we got all power. He talked to the disciples, but this, was, this came into the day of Pentecost. When what came? The power, the anointing, the Holy Ghost with everything that was needed. Correct? So is there anything wrong with the engine in heaven? <laughs> the power of heaven. Is there anything lacking in the power of heaven? Is it in full operation? Then I guess the problem is not with heaven. <laughs> Maybe it's with our thinking. Maybe it's how we're processing it. You know that the disciples had trouble with it too. So we, I'm not yelling at you. I'm not, you know, in that place. We all have to receive it. But the disciples had trouble perceiving what Jesus was trying to put into them. And you can look at it. We'll go back what I shared Thursday night in the, multitude, in the multiplying of the loaves and the fishes. We know that when Jesus said to them, you feed them, they looked at him like, this is how much money we have, and you want us to go to town? And you, this is not going to feed all of them, Jesus. What, what happened? Natural thinking kicked in. That's exactly what would happen to us, right? Natural thinking. But if we're renewing our mind, getting into that place, when God tells us to do something, we're not going to go to the natural. We're going to believe, okay, you want that done? You're going to show me how to do it. I didn't think I'll stand here and listen to you, Lord. So the disciples said, you know, and Jesus said, no, you're going to feed them. Go find out what you got here. They found five loaves and two fishes. Jesus blesses it, and he breaks it, and he puts it into the disciples' hand. Now, what do you think they're thinking? They are not thinking that fish is going to multiply. They're thinking, have one little bite. <laughs> Take a little piece of the broken pieces, and maybe we can get 500 fed. Come on, let's be real. This is what they're thinking. But in their hands, they go and they say, here's a loaf. Here's some fish. Here's a loaf. Here's some fish. I just gave that away. Woo! And it increased. Yeah. Yeah. 
What, what do you think that was doing to their faith? Let's try that again. Hey, would you like a whole loaf <laughs> and a fish? There you go. Whoa, what just happened? Increase. What was it doing to them? They were watching the power of God. They were watching the multiplication. What was Jesus wanting them to do? See the power of God. Wanted to demonstrate it. He's training us. I know when I first started, and I know when Jesus spoke to me the first time that I was called to the healing ministry, I knew squat about what that meant. But I have seen demonstrations now through the years. And many of you have heard my stories. But when you have seen the blind eyes open and you know that you cannot open blind eyes. But when you've got a 10-year-old girl that comes to you and she's blind, she cannot see. And I have to admit, I'm standing there thinking, what do I do? I have no clue. I've never prayed for anybody that was blind. What do I do? She's looking at me. She can't see me, but she's standing in front of me. And they said she came from the blind school. Okay. I knew that was a Friday night, and I knew on Monday the Lord said, I'm going to do some miracles on Friday night. But I didn't know what they were. I didn't know what that looked like. And so I just said, what do I do? And so I prayed for her. And I said, can you see? (laughs) She said, I look, I see like trees. I thought, oh, that happened to Jesus. (laughs) It's pretty good. He prayed a second time. Let's do it again. Okay? So we prayed again. And she could totally see. She walked out of that place totally seeing. This is just Vicki Luther. This is nobody special. This is nobody just like Peter just like James, just like the disciples. I was learning. I was learning to hear from heaven. So then a little girl that can't speak, six years old, never spoke in her life. And they bring her to me. I mean, why do I get all the hard ones? (laughs) Give me something easy. I don't know what we think the difference is. And so I was like, what do I do, Lord? You know, Jesus said, I only do what the Father does, right? So I'm asking, what do I do? He said, spit in her mouth. 
How would you like those? So I said, can I spit on my finger? <laughs> stick it in her mouth? He said, spit on your finger and stick it in her mouth. You know, nothing happened. But the Lord said, three days she'll speak. So all I did was spit on my finger, stick it in her mouth, and did not say, three days you'll speak. So I walk down the aisle, and I'm going to pray for somebody else, and the Holy Ghost says to me, why did you not say three days and she'll speak? I was chicken, fearful. What if it didn't happen? I'm just being real. You learn. Thank God for the mercy of God. Thank God for the grace. You know he didn't. Yeah, he just asked me a question. Three days later, this little girl's in her back seat on the way to church. Her parents in the front seat. Her little brother's in the back seat. First words out of her mouth. Scoot over and quit hitting me. <laughs> if you don't think I didn't shout for victory on that, that little girl didn't shut up after that. She was a typical girl. <laughs> what I'm trying to get across to all of us is we are anointed. When are we going to use it? When are we going to quit walking away from truth? When are we going to step into that place that we carry out the good news, that we carry out the gospel? that we carry out what the disciples did. Ordinary people, no special people. Well, you say they were hand-picked. I'm going to tell you right now, y'all are hand-picked. He chose you. He called you, and you accepted it. You accepted the call. You may not have understood what that meant, But you accepted it, and you said, I surrender my life. Have you really? Probably not, if you think about it. Because if he was to say to you, I want you to go pray for that person, and I want you to spit in their mouth, what would you do? Hallelujah. It's the obedience. It's the obedience. So now let's turn over to Acts. I am not here to condemn you because we haven't stepped out. I am here to encourage you. I am here to strengthen your faith that we are going to be the church of the living God. That we are going to rise up. We're going to do the works of Jesus. God did not call us to be a dead church. He called us to be alive. He called the church of the living God to be alive, right? On the day of Pentecost, 
Well, we'll just look at two first real quick. On the day of Pentecost, we know what happened. And Peter stood up, and he said in verse 16, But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons, your daughters, shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, what did he say? I will pour out in those days my spirit. And they shall prophesy. That's just one of the things that they will do. But he said, I'll pour out my spirit. So on the day of Pentecost, he poured out his spirit. What is his spirit? That anointing. Did Jesus not say? Okay, just look again. What we just read. In Luke 4. So you know, I'm not lying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me, right? We just looked at that. So here on the day of Pentecost, Peter is prophesying what the prophet Joel already said, that the Spirit of the Lord, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Who is that? Is that us? It hasn't stopped. So that tells us right there, you and I are anointed. You and I carry that. And so we have no excuse just because we don't feel like it. There is an anointing, there's a grace on every person in this room to do what God has called us to do. It's there. It's available. It's us getting our thinking to line up with what God said. Now, these disciples took hold of it, and this is what I'm praying over y'all, that we are going to take hold of it. We're going to get it. We, we, you have heard me say for weeks now, the church is rising up. We got to take our place. I mean, I'm thinking, they're going to get tired of hearing this. But the Lord won't let me let go of it. Because he wants us to get it. We are living in desperate times. People are desperate for truth. People need to hear truth. And we need to be able to give the answers. We can't just depend on one man in our, in our uh, school board making a difference. We've got to be in that place. Yes, he needs to be in there, but we also have to be in our places. And we have to be able to help answer the cry of people that are caught up and lost as a goose. I don't know. Do gooses get lost? (laughs) Oh, that right. Aaron and I saw one on the way to church this morning. (laughs) <laughs> they said the goose is lost so there we go that's where I got that from <laughs> hallelujah the goose was lost so we're, we don't want to be lost as a goose we're anointed of God we live in that place we're in that place that we are anointed of God to carry out the good news carry it out every one of us let's get over ourselves 
Amen? Let's get over what people think. Let's get over all of this stuff that holds us back, that, you know, the past, all that junk. I mean, pastors taught, I don't know how many times, on your past, on your past, get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. It doesn't matter. It's not who you are. You've got to take who you are in Christ Jesus. You know, one of my favorite things that Patricia says, She says, when she got born again, and Patricia, I may not say this right, so you can correct me, but when she got born again, she set herself in a different place uh, that black didn't matter. Is that correct? Correct. That she saw herself in in Christ, that it didn't matter what color, all of us are in Christ. If we're in Christ, it doesn't matter what color your skin is. Uh She said it set her free. It set her free because she knew who she was in Christ. And we're all in Christ. And it does not matter what this skin color is. What matters is who we're in. And we're in Christ. We're in the anointed one. We carry that anointing. It's on the inside of us. And so it should shape us into being like him. Amen? Amen. That that should be what we're looking at. Instead of all this outward stuff that holds us to the ground. It keeps us in an earthly position instead of living in the kingdom of God, which is far above. Ephesians 2, 6 says that we are seated with him in Christ. In where? On earth? Somebody needs to correct me. No, in the heavenly. We are seated with him. But we're living our earthly way instead of our heavenly way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Peter got a revelation. Now, you have to understand, the disciples had already been on mission fields. They'd been without Jesus, doing signs and wonders and miracles. But something changed this day when the Holy Ghost came and sat upon them. They'd been sad because Jesus was gone. They couldn't understand when Jesus said, you know, Look, guys, it's better for me to go than stay. They didn't have the revelation until this day when the anointing of God rested, sat upon them, when the fire of God hit them, when the Holy Ghost engulfed them. They had a revelation. We've been changed. And so here it is. Let's go to chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they lamed daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So here is this man, lame, from a child, well, since his mother's womb, And he's laid every day at the gate beautiful. It's where they sit him, and he begs. He's already got a mindset 
that this is the rest of his life. So when Peter and John come, he's just looking for money. That's what a lot of people are looking for. <laughs> They're just looking for money. But God's got something so much more than money. Money is the least in the kingdom of God. Amen. Least. We make it the most because we look at what we don't have instead of from kingdom perspective. So verse 3. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple ask an alms? And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John. So I want us to look at this. Here's Peter. Here's the lame man. Oh, you make a good lame man, Hezer. <laughs> Come over here. Be at the gate, beautiful. Do a little begging. <laughs> I want a real beggar. <laughs> Look pitiful. <laughs> and it says, and Peter is fastening his eyes on him. And the beggar's thinking, oh, I'm going to get some money. I'm going to get some money. Oh, they look rich. Maybe they're going to give me lots of money. But he said, and he gave heed unto him, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, Peter looked at him, and he looked at him in the eyes, and he looked at him through compassion, and he looked at him through mercy, and he looked through, at him through the love of God, and looking beyond his condition, looking beyond how he was, looking beyond how the need was. And he looked at him, and he just said, silver and gold have I not, but such as I have. What does he have? What does he have? He has the anointing. He has, he has what Jesus said. He had the name of Jesus. He had the anointing of God. And he reached down and he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Hallelujah. And he went leaping, leaping, leaping. <laughs> You did good, Hezer. I'll leap for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's what he had. And he saw that miracle because he was moved with compassion. He knew who he was. His life was forever changed. And he knew that he was no longer a normal man. He knew that he no longer was going back to the way he was. He knew that something had changed on the inside of him and something in his mindset had changed. And he knew that when Jesus said, I've got to go because if I don't go, the Holy Ghost can't come. But if the Holy Ghost comes, he's going to take care of you and he's going to anoint you and he's going to equip you and he's going to cause you to raise the dead, heal the sick, meet every need. He's going to cause you to preach the gospel, the good news of the glorious gospel that whatever you need, Jesus has already paid the price for. And you know, they got in so much trouble. 
because they healed somebody and got in trouble. I'm telling you, those Pharisees, those people, they were angry. It was an angry mom. Kind of reminds me of today. Anger in this society when Christians speak, when Christians stand up for what's right. When we proclaim good news, they're mad. They're angry. Well, what are we going to do? Are we going to run and hide? This is what Peter and John did. I mean, they took him away. They put him in jail for no reason. People in jail today for no reason. They're in that place. I won't go any further on that. They came against them and they told them not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. They said in verse 17, but that it spread no further. What do they want not spread any further? The gospel. They said, we don't want it to spread any further among the people. Let us straightway threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in the name. I'm telling you, they don't want us to say the name of Jesus. They don't want it to, people to know that Jesus loves them. They want, don't want people, people, they don't want people to tell that God can deliver you out of homosexuality. They don't want to hear that God can bring you out, that you may be a transgender, but there's an anointing and there's a power and there's a grace of God that can come into your life and can change your life forever and set you in your right mind and put you back together again the way God created you to be. They don't want to hear that God created male and female. They don't want to hear the truth of the gospel of the living God. But somebody's got to rise up. Somebody's got to open their mouth. Somebody's got to deliver the word of the living God. Somebody's got to tell the truth or they're going to have us in a corner and they're going to have us hiding and they're going to have us in a place that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not going out. But I declare in the name of Jesus, this church is going to rise up. This church and the people of this church are going to make a stand for what is right in the sight of God. And we will not cower down and we will not give up and we will not back up because the gospel of Jesus Christ will be preached all over the world because it has been spoken. We got to tell truth and we can't back down no matter what happens. And we're in dangerous times for the church. We're in that place. And they called, verse 18, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all. Commanded them not to speak at all. I'm not very good about not speaking. I I came out of that. I, I used to be a silent person. I used to not have much to say. I used to be shy. I used to hide behind pastor a lot. It was hard for me to say hello. It was hard for me to be in that place and have conversation with somebody. 
I know you all may find that hard to believe today, but I'm just telling you, there was a time in my early days that I'd rather not say anything because I felt if I said something, it would be wrong. And I hid. But I'm telling you right now, I'm not hiding anymore. I'm telling you, I have come out of myself. I've been set free by the power of God, and I know what it does. It brings you free. It puts you in a place that you are bold in the Lord, the power of his might. And if Jesus tells me to do something, bless the Lord God Almighty, I'm going to do it. I learned to obey, just like when I stood in front of that girl. Do you think I felt anointed? Do you think I felt like spitting in that little girl's mouth? No, I didn't. But I'd heard from heaven, and I knew what to do. And because of the obedience, that little girl speaks today. I am not going to be fearful, and I'm not going to be shy. Fear is intimidation. Fear causes you to back off. Fear will put you in the closet. When I was a little girl, I was so fearful. If my parents weren't home, I got a kitchen knife and stood in the closet behind the clothes just so nobody could come in and get me. That's bound. I do not stay when I'm in the house by myself in the closet anymore in a knife in my hand. I've got the name of Jesus. I've got the blood. I've got the word. And I've learned how to stand on it. If you don't think I don't know what I'm talking about, I know from which I came. And I am not that person anymore. And I'm thankful that I'm free and I'm delivered. You've heard some of my stories of how fearful I was to preach. But I'm not fearful anymore. And it's the grace of God. And it's understanding what God has done for me and the price he paid for me. And then he anointed me and put a call of God on my life. And I'm like Peter and John. I may mess up sometimes. I may say things sometimes that doesn't come out right. But I've learned to walk past it and learn to go on. If you don't love me, you don't love me. This is who I am. And so they told them not to speak. You know, we have to get to that place that we don't receive that just because the devil tells you not to talk. That's what I appreciate, appreciate about Chuck Basie. He's been slammed. But he's still in the fight. And he's still doing what's right. And he's still staying in the place. Again, I commend you for what you've done. Those signs that were on what? The business loop? Signs that were put up on the business loop? Coming against him? God, have mercy. So, what did they do? What did the disciples do? Let's read on down and see what they did. Verse 21. So when they had further threatened them, (laughs) it's just like people. They don't know when to quit threatening. They think their threatening is going to slow these people down. 
They let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was about 40 years old on whom the miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, they went to their own company. You got to have your own company. Better know who to go to when you're in trouble, when you've been threatened. You better know who's going to pray with you. You better know who's going to stand with you. And reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard, they lifted up their voice. That's what you want. People that will lift up their voice to God. With one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in it. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things, devoid of understanding? So really what they're saying, why are the people so hostile? Why are they so threatening when I'm just doing what is right in the sight of God? Why are they coming against me when I'm obeying God? Why are they, why are they devoid of truth? That's what they're praying. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against the Christ. Look what they're saying. The people are against the Lord and against the anointing. That's what they're against. That's what this move is against. That's why they don't want Christians rising up. That's why they don't want Christians. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to rise up and know who you are in Christ. That's why the enemy is trying to intimidate you and keep you down and keep you into that place that, you know, you don't think you can do anything. If he can keep you down, then he's got you. But that man, they're going after God. They're going to God. They know what has happened. They know that they have come against the Lord. 27. For of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand, thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord... And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and let us go into hiding. Oh, that's not what it says? Maybe we need to go to another town. No, that's not what it says? It says, and grant unto thy servants. Who's us? Us, the servants of the Lord, with all boldness, that we may speak thy word. What did they want them not to do? Speak the word. And their prayer is, give us a boldness to speak thy word. Give us a boldness to stay in that place that we don't back off. We don't back down. We don't shut up. We don't give in to them. That we stand with courage and strength and go forward. And then they pray by stretching forth. Don't stop the healing. Don't not use me anymore. I don't want that to happen again. Now, maybe I can go have a small prayer meeting. That's not what they're crying out for. They're saying, use me. That's what they're saying. 
by stretching forth thy hand to heal. Don't quit. Don't allow that power that flowed through me to heal the lame man. Don't let it stop. Don't let it be quenched. Give it, Lord. Give it. I want to walk in that. I want to walk in that power. With signs, wonders, miracles may be done by the holy child Jesus. What are we praying when something comes against us? I'm not going to do that again. We have to get out of that. We have to walk away from that. If we're going to affect the community, if we're going to affect the nation, we're going to have to walk away and get in that place, get you some believers around you that stands in that place with you and that cries out and says, Lord, make me bolder. And Lord, use me to heal the sick. Use me in signs and wonders. Equip me, God, that I can stand in that place and I can be what you have called me to be. I can stay in that place and I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Give me that grace. Grant unto me that grace that is needed in this 2023 year to live as bold as the Lord and strong in the power and his might. Give me the grace to do that in this hour. That needs to be our heart cry. That we're not backing off. I pray that over Chuck Basie. Give him the grace to win that election and then give him the boldness in that school board. And give him another righteous man. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. God hears a prayer of desperation that is crying out and saying, oh, he looks from heaven and he says, that a way to go. Pleases the Lord. When we do not draw back from our enemies, it pleases the Lord. When we stay in that place and we get into our company and we stand in that place and we cry out to God and we don't whimper and whine, do you know I spent the night in jail all night? Do you know what they fed me in jail? Do you know what they did to me? They didn't say that. They said, give me boldness. Grant unto me. And they prayed, and the place was shaken. That's God's approval. And were, they were assembled together, and they were all what? Filled with the Holy Ghost. What? With the power of God, with the anointing of God to go back out, to get back into that place. And they went out, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They didn't slack. And we know, you just read the book of Acts. And we know they went out and did great exploits for the kingdom of God that they didn't back off. And we know Peter got thrown in jail again. We know they almost killed him. They killed James. I mean, things happened. But these people didn't back off because there was an assignment. There was an assignment on their lives. 
Now that's the place that you and I have to be in. There's an assignment in every one of our lives. There's assignments, there's anointings, there are graces on our life. And you're not too old. And you're not too young. It's going to take the old and the young working together. Coming into that place. And we get out of our heads. Quit looking at the past. So you prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed. Well, thank God you prayed. (laughs) I've prayed for some that didn't get healed. I've prayed for many that have. It's come up, so I'll tell it one more time. When I was overseas and I was praying, pastor had preached, and we had his prayer line. I didn't speak the language. This girl standing, this young girl, is seemed probably in her 20s, standing in front of me. I didn't know squat about her. All I said to her, because this is what I heard, tell her to bend over. So I just said to the interpreter, tell her to bend over. She bent over, and she's bent over, and tears are coming down her face. I'm thinking, what happened? What happened? So she stands up, and she's just crying. I said, tell her to bend over. So she bends over. I had her do it three times, and she's just weeping. She can't even talk, and I'm going, what's going on? You know, and the interpreter is trying to get her to talk, but she's crying. And she had been to the doctor, and she was told that she will never be able to bend over. Never be able to bend over. And what was the first thing I said to her? Bend over. She was instantly healed. I didn't know, but what did I do? I obeyed what I heard. I did what I heard, and God did the work. And that girl was so excited. She could sit, she could stand, she could bend, and the doctor said, you will never, he said, never be able to bend over. Well, the doctor hadn't met Dr. Jesus. (laughs) You know, it's a mindset that we're so used to, that we're not expecting. And what they're saying here, they got into the mode that when Jesus said the Holy Ghost is going to come, and he, it is necessary that he comes. Why? He's taken over for me. And you just follow him. Like you followed me, you follow the Holy Ghost. And you do what he says to do. It takes all the pressure off of you. Come on. It takes all the pressure off of you. One more time. It takes all the pressure off of you. Because that's what we, that's what keeps us bound. Is we put the pressure on us. 
like I have the power. Heaven's power works well. He just wants us to release it. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.